0: This is Let's Talk About from Style Canada. And let me tell you, we're talking. Let's face it, we talk a lot. We talk about things we love, hot topics, and anything in between. But what about the things we don't talk about? What about the things we want to know but don't know how to ask? Don't worry, we've got you covered. Let's expand our horizons. Let's talk about it. Hi, everyone, and welcome. This week, let's talk about pleasure. Joining me is Cynthia Loist, resident expert and host on the social, where she shares her expertise rooted in her certification as a relationship coach and author of Find Your Pleasure, also, finding a blog of the same name. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you so much for being here with us. It's a pleasure. <laughs> <gasps> It's a, I like that. That's a great, <laughs> that's a perfect segue into things, right? So first off, I have to say, after reading some excerpts from the book, was really excited to have you on today. This week, we're talking all about wellness on the site. And so pleasure plays, plays into that so nicely. But specifically excited to have you just how open you are, I think, about, about your experiences, whether it was how the book came to be. And on this podcast, we're all about talking about topics that might sometimes be a bit uncomfortable to discuss and you know how candid you are about from the outside you had this beautiful new baby and a great relationship and this new job on the social and but yet you weren't kind of finding those pleasures in the day-to-day. So appreciate the candidness, I think, that you'll bring to this conversation. I'm here to be as candid as you would like. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, I've seen um, watching some of your other podcasts that you've done. I know there's usually wine, so I have like my cocktail bar behind me in case I need to like grab a drink. This is just tea, but I'm wishing it was a little stronger. (laughs) But I do love the word pleasure. I know, um, you know, for me, I've used the word joy, lot, but I think pleasure is kind of has the same connotation. And I'd love to, we'll speak more specifically about, you know, what pleasure means, but why did you start talking about this topic?
1: You know, the, the roots of this book, I think, started when I was actually very young. So the long story is that I was sort of raised in in a, in a smaller town, in a Catholic environment, and nobody ever talked to me about sex. And so like everybody else, I was very curious and had a lot of questions, but felt this kind of impenetrable wall when it came to discussing these things. And, you know, when I was around 16, my 18-year-old sister came home from university and announced that she was unintentionally pregnant. And it was a real life-changing moment for everyone, uh, not the least of which her. Um, But as an observer, it was one of those moments that was like an aha moment, because to me, it was like, oh, here we go. This is what happens when you don't talk to people about sex, in particular, young women about sex, things change their lives in in a very profound way. So that was the sort of first seed that got me centered on this idea of I want to learn, I became that friend, who I feel like everyone has who, who kind of is the go to person that you're like, okay, well, what do you think about this? Or what is this?
0: And it Really, oh, oh, I needed right? you. I <laughs> needed you growing up. I feel like even just as you're saying, like yeah, from a small town, Catholic upbringing, and sex wasn't discussed. So yeah, I needed you in that friend circle. Well, and I'm
1: sure you can relate to this too, because in that framework, the way I was raised, it was as if like the subtext everywhere was anything that felt good was to be feared, was to be repressed, and so there were all these little ways in which now I can look back and be like, oh, those are the ways to sort of box in women in particular, like, okay, here's the way to be a good girl. And here's the way to be a proper girl. And, you know, don't do too much of this or else you will be that. And this came in many, many forms. And it's something that I felt like, okay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to investigate this. But it wasn't until I was, you know, fast forward many, many years and, you know, of course, I worked on a documentary series about sexuality. I went back to school to become a sex educator, but I was also doing this broadcasting career, which eventually found me on a show called The Social, which is on 1 p.m. every day on CTV. And uh, it, um, you know, it was a great moment. Uh, Obviously, I was auditioning for the show when I was eight months pregnant, so I actually didn't really think I had a chance of getting it because okay. I thought the timeline that they were going to be launching the show was right around when I was due. Luckily, that was pushed a little bit, but still, I came to the show when I had maybe like he was maybe 12 weeks old when we first started doing prep for nice. Wow. So yeah. I, I was sleep deprived. I was a bit nutty <laughs> and, you know, breastfeeding my boobs felt crazy. Everything felt a bit crazy. Um, but It all like I was just kind of plowing through because I thought, oh, this is a good job and I'm happy and I have a healthy child. I have all these things on paper that are great. And so but I had this like low key just um, it it wasn't postpartum depression. I want to be clear because I've talked to women who've had that. It was just this low key ennui and feeling that I wasn't quite enjoying life in any regard that I was drowning in to-do lists and, you know, concerned about milestones and appearances. And did I say something stupid? Like, and I'd lost sight of anything that was authentic and that actually gave me pleasure. And it came to a head one day when I was on the show and it's a story I share in the book and I won't give it away too much, but just to say that I was driving home that day and I was crying and it dawned on me that I, I like literally was like, where am I? I haven't done anything for me in forever. When I started reaching out to my friends to ask them this question, I emailed them actually. And I said, when was the last time you did something purely for your own pleasure? And I and I actually didn't want them to say like, oh, I remember a spa day, blah, blah, blah. Or I, you know, I, yes. I wanted something that was more, more meaningful than that. And when mm-hmm. I started asking around, it became very clear. Like one of them just wrote back to me like, ha, ha, because she could not remember. And I thought, okay, there's right. something here. There's something here to unpack. And so it sort of sent me on a journey to rediscover pleasure in the myriad ways to unpack why we have such a fraught relationship with it. And it eventually led to the blog and then led to the book.
0: Yeah, no, I can imagine. um, I mean, I think whether obviously your kind of wheel spinning was new baby, new job, all this going on for me at one point, it was kind of all this traveling, like every one of us as individuals have this cycle that we're on, right. And that just keeps spinning and spinning. Whatever it looks and it looks unique for each of us, like we're not stopping. And I, I think the last year has maybe caused us a bit more to stop and reflect. But it's interesting, yeah, that that you got to that point. And you know, you touched a little bit on originally kind of when when the producers came and said, let's talk about, you know, we're gonna talk about pleasure with Cynthia. And I was like, okay, great. We're gonna, we're gonna dive into sex. I'm here for it. But it's really so much more than that. And you touch on that a little bit, but I'd love to hear like what does it mean to you? What are those categories that are kind of categories you look at to find pleasure within?
1: First of all, I find it so interesting that the word pleasure is so often associated with sex. And, and I've kind of like mused about why that is like, I know when we even tried to secure our website for a while, we couldn't get Google ads because I, I don't know who owned the URL beforehand, but I'm going to guess it had something to do with like, yeah. I'm going to say pornography. And so this totally, word of yeah. pleasure, like it, it gets associated a lot with explicit content. And, and I think that's by design. I think that, that um, because we have this association with pleasure being this dirty little cousin to happiness. And I think that comes from a sort of puritanical ideology around, um, you know, this, 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 this idea that anything that feels good will lead to ruin. And I think that's a way we control in particular women, but we can unpack that a bit later on to answer your question, the way I see it. And I think the way most people intuitively see it is that there's like big P capital P pleasures, and then there's little p pleasures. And so I'll start with the little p pleasures, which I really believe is like getting in touch with our senses. And let's face it, I think we can all relate, especially, um, you know, those of us who who are attached to our smartphones every day that we work with them, we spend a lot of our lives buried in um, technology not really being cognizant of the sights and the smells and the tastes and the touches and the things that are around us. And those things, you know, by our very humanness are designed to make us feel more relaxed, to feel pleasure, to feel joy. And we have really lost touch from that. So that's what I mean by little p. So for through the book, I kind of am asking people to put on a different lens that we normally take for granted when you're walking through your life and start to experience it differently. I mean, one of the first ways that I noticed... How bad I was at this was when I had my son. Because kids inevitably, intuitively, they, they navigate through the world by touching and tasting and experiencing, and it's like they can be entering any space that they've been in a million times, and suddenly they're seeing it like upside down, and suddenly they're they're like touching. Yes. So yeah. we yeah. we get really crappy at that as we get older. We get
0: right. <laughs> That's a really good point. Yeah, we kind of block those things out. Like i am even just thinking, you know, when I try to go for a walk in the morning to hear the sounds, I, I live by the lake and to to experience nature. I have my AirPods in and I'm listening to a podcast. Like we block those things out almost as we get older. We
1: totally do. And it's, it's it, you know, if, even if you aren't a parent, grab a child sometime if you can safely <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and watch the way they kind of experience the world. Um, you know, animals are kind of like this too, but, but yeah, I, I definitely think they're a reminder uh, of the, the things that we completely overlook. So those are kind of the little pee pleasures. Um, and again, you can see those through when we cook, through when we, you know, um, tidy, through the way that we design our homes, through the things that we choose to put on our bodies, through the ways in which we travel. And so in the book, I kind of go through all these different categories in our relationships. And of course, in the bedroom, there is a part of that that is important for us to get back inside of our bodies and experience things through our senses. But then there's the big capital P pleasures that I think a lot about, which are those kinds of, obviously there's meaning in our worlds when we think about our goals and we think about what we want out of life. And who we are. And again, going back to where I started, I think a lot of us have been handed these scripts and that are told to us about what we should want out of life in order to be quote unquote successful. And so I think if we actually start to reject those prescribed scripts, that a lot of times, again, I'll just use me for an example. Again, when I was growing up, a lot of the messages I got, for example, around body was, you know, Oh, you can eat, but don't eat too much or else you're going to become right. this. And that was, you know, the, the, the subtext was, and you'll become undesirable or you'll look messy or you will look sloppy. And you, you know, I think a lot of women, um, internalize that kind of messaging from the world, if not directly from people in their lives. Another script that I was given was you can talk, but don't give, be too opinionated or don't talk in certain ways, or you'll be seen as bossy or demanding, um, or bitchy, like all those kinds of things. Uh, another one is, is, you know you can you can kind of you may be at a certain point in life you're allowed to like sex or you're allowed to be sexual or talk about sex but not too much or else to be seen as this kind right. of girl right so again right. it's all these yeah. kinds of ways in which we shape and ambition is one of those things I think a lot of us blindly go forward thinking that in order to I don't know be successful it needs to look one way and I think yeah. that if we get in touch with our deep capital P pleasures, some of those scripts. Hopefully all those scripts start to go out the window and we start to write our own.
0: Since we're talking about pleasure today, aren't we all missing the pleasure of a beautiful getaway? Whether it's a relaxing weekend away or an adventure on another continent, Experiential Gifting Company Tingly is here to help make that happen. We know things are crazy, we aren't sure when we can travel again, but Tingly is the best because there's no expiry date. Global availability, easy booking, free exchanges, and easy refunds. That means no risk and all reward. Learn more at tingly.com It is crazy how we're, and it comes, I would say in the last couple of years, and I don't know if it's just because social media has brought more messaging across to all of us and there's more content out there, or it's getting older myself or whatever that is, right, is you kind of realize how women have to walk this very fine line between like, okay, this is the appropriate part of pleasure or, or joy or whatever. And this is where we cross it and it becomes inappropriate and God, that's so exhausting. And I, I don't think I really ever realized it till more recently. And again, I don't know if that's just being bombarded with images. I don't know if that's being more aware of myself, but yeah definitely something that we're going through. And I think, you know, you touched on pleasure as the dirty cousin and this idea of guilty pleasures and how we kind of are associate, we associate pleasure with, with that sense of guilty pleasure. Is that just, you think, because of upbringings, is that just kind of historically how we've tried to maybe repress women? Like, where does that, what's the root of that? I know you've done a lot of research into Backstories here. Well, I mean, actually, there's
1: a great. uh, He's an author, um, and he's also done a great TED Talk. And there's Paul Bloom, and he's done a lot of research around pleasure. And he, uh, some of the studies that he researched were fascinating to me. One of them was about, for example, wine. And so there, there were a couple studies done where they gave people like a really expensive bottle of wine, but and I believe I'm getting this right, but they they told them it was really cheap, and it, it it made them misinterpret or interpret their pleasure out of drinking the wine accordingly. So there's a kind of, okay. there's a yeah. kind of connection between what we think we should feel and what we actually feel, and I, and and why is this interesting? And why is this profound? Because I think it harkens back to this idea of guilty pleasure. If there's an idea set forth in our culture that certain things are things we can say we like, so for example, for me, one of like the things that I I guess culture has told me I should be ashamed that I like is Barry Manilow. He's cheesy. He's <laughs> schmaltzy. He's ridiculous. I certainly when there was a time in high school when my mom was really into him, and I was like. Pfft. So embarrassing! Oh my god, I cannot. But as I've gotten older, I just realized like if I heard "Looks like we made it" on the radio, I would be like, "Oh my god, so beautiful, so magic." Yeah. But so there's this kind of snobbery that we're told that Mm -hmm. isn't cool or that isn't. You know, worthy, or that is cheesy, or that is a time waster that we're, we, Mm -hmm. we, we again, like, and it could be from like the bachelorette to whatever, that we feel Mm -hmm. quote unquote guilty. But that terminology, if we go back to it, it's like, why should you feel guilt about your pleasures? It goes back to those internalized messages around that anything that we, we like intuitively that isn't deemed respectable by the ruling classes or the religious classes or whatever it might be, the current Mm -hmm. ideology is then deemed uh, worthy of guilt. And so again, Mm -hmm. we take it for granted. People say it all the time. Oh, this, and then, I mean, how many people also say things like, oh, I you know when they ate something, oh, I was so bad yesterday.
0: Totally, it's this self, this verbiage that we use with ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because I'm—it's a lot cultural, religious. Like when I'm thinking back, just as you're talking to myself, cultural, religious, society in general—all of those things compounded, really, exactly. which is. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I feel like I'm having like, I'm having a few aha moments as we go. <laughs> well, that's good. That's a good thing. I mean, and it's, it's also, it's,
1: again, when it comes to sex, I mean, that's for sure a part of it. Like it never Absolutely. ceases to amaze me how we mostly raise girls to um, like repress, 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 repress. And I mean, in some cultures it's even more so, or some religions it's even more so. And, and then, you know, get married in, you know, like in, in a heterosexual context, this is the messages again, they're slowly mm-hmm. starting to erode. But still, mm-hmm. this is true for many people. And then uh, as soon as you're married, well, then you can like sex. Well, now you're alive. Right. Like but right. only you, this kind it's of a sex, switch.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's
1: caused no end to problems in, in people's individual lives and in marital lives, because that that equation doesn't really work. I, I mean, again, the, this idea of connecting. Pl- imagine I always thought about this. I wonder if we'd actually been raised with sex education that focused instead of on fear and avoidance and danger mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. about like oh here's here's this big voluptuous thing that you're going to encounter right. and it looks like all kinds of different things and the most important thing is is that for you that it's going to be consensual and it's going to be pleasure filled and here are the mm-hmm. very many ways in which that might happen for you and here are the very many ways in which you might not enjoy things and that's okay too mm-hmm. like i just mm-hmm. think it would have radically have shifted, certainly for me, um, a lot really? of the challenges that yeah. I,
0: you know what I mean? Uh, for sure. Like, I'm just thinking back to grade school. Like, I don't, I went to a Catholic school and we, our sex ed was this textbook called Fully Alive. And it was like, I don't know if you had that one too, no, but it was I like, didn't. all just what that about, even mean, fully was, alive. I <laughs> don't know. Honestly, I wish they still, I got to kind of research and see if I get my hands on one nowadays, but It was not talked about in a pleasure-filled way. It was talked about like in a fearful way to some extent and like how to protect yourself kind of way and all those things. Like when you say, even when we talk about, you know, using protection and this, this was a part of this class, like that you're kind of protecting yourself from what? Well, something that you should fear, right? So mm. I think that that's kind of interesting too. Um, but yeah, all of that so resonates. And I I wonder if, and I know you have a little one and probably too little to be talking about this in school right now, but I'm kind of curious like what the curriculum is in schools now around, around sex. I know my mom was very forward thinking and would have conversations with us as kids, but you gotta think the majority of kids probably aren't having those conversations so, I don't know if you know what's happening in schools now, but. Well,
1: especially during COVID times, I mean, I'm sure sex like ed was already somewhat optional for teachers to even bother with, and the curriculum right. has been very fraught and questionable, um, at least in this province, um, and I think beyond. But uh, I I feel like now COVID's probably set that back a lot. Right now, I do get a lot of questions about that, both when I was touring with the book and also just in general on my uh, my Instagram and through my website. And one of the things I'll recommend for parents with young people, um, there's a set of books called, uh, the first one's called What Makes a Baby?, and it's by Corey Silverberg. And it's it's geared towards like basically from as soon as you start reading to kids to probably around four years old or maybe even beyond. But it's, it, it's, it's about it's this very gender and um, gender inclusive and relational inclusive uh, look at how, the very many ways babies c- come about. And it takes out kind of bodies in a way from it. And it talks really about the way sperm meets egg and what it means and, and that these happen in different scenarios. And and it, it's very, it's so inclusive and it's so, um, it, and it's got bright, colorful pictures and it's a great starting book. And then he has another one that I'm about to start reading with my son, who's almost eight. And it's around for the eight to 10 year olds, eight, maybe eight to 11. And it's called um, Sex is a Funny Word. Also, same um, author, same um, graphic designer, and it's 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 just a great starting point because I do think parents are still the first and best resource for kids, and if you start those conversations early around consent, around bodily autonomy, around pleasure in appropriate situations, even self pleasure, I think you set the groundwork for a really healthy relationship to this to, to this landscape. Oh, which is going to be a part of everyone's life. Like it's, an, right, it's right, right.
0: It's like we, to your point in, in using that marriage analogy, it's like we repressed that for 25, even now we're getting married older, 25, 30 years, and then you're supposed to kind of turn that on. I mean, I do think that there's obviously more conversation happening around things now than when I was a teenager, for sure. But yeah, it's definitely still there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, but I know that there's some, some health benefits to experiencing pleasure as well, besides me. And I know orgasm being one of those, from a sex topic, but what are some of the other um, things that you uncovered when you were researching the book?
1: Yeah, I found it really interesting that these were the things that no one really talked about. Because again, I, I, and I want to be clear, it's not to say that there aren't certain things that light up the pleasure centers of our brain that can be dangerous. Um, obviously, there's been some talk around like cocaine, for example, lights up the dopamine centers or you know, of your brain and in the same ways that some foods can. So anything can become uh, compulsive uh, people can re- have compulsive uses of things. That's a whole different set of scenarios, and those are things that can be unpacked in a different way. But what I'm talking about is that, to me, when you're when you're um, living fully and uh, not and uh, not thinking of things as as, as oh my god, I, I have to avoid that, I have to avoid that, um, I think it have you a healthier relationship to all of these things. So one of the things that I found interesting was that some research suggests that when we're eating if we are actually relaxed and we're enjoying our food and we're savoring it, it doesn't matter what you're eating, you will better digest that food. And therefore you are less likely to sort of like, you know, gain weight from that food because you, because when you're stressed out eating, let's say guilt and shame eating, let's say you're in the corner and you're like, you know, <laughs> eating in the middle of the night, like exactly. Yeah. We've all been there. We've yeah. all done this. It raises your <laughs> cortisol levels, which makes you hang on to, it's, it's just a biological thing. It makes you hang on to fat. So, oh. I, I, like, I think that that's an Interesting thing for people to know. That's really interesting, yeah. Another interesting. one is, I mean, this is sort of like a you know, uh, it's it's around it's pleasure adjacent, but I think it's really important. We we know how valuable it is, and I think during this pandemic, it's shown it to a lot of people. For me, the outdoors kind of saved me, going and wandering right. in the woods.
0: Absolutely,
1: it helped my mental health. Yeah. It helped my you know everything. But they they've done research on patients in hospitals who are recovering, and they recover faster when they have a beautiful view. Uh, to look at at the outdoors, so like really again, interesting.
0: yeah. And then, I know and I've then, been calling, I've been calling my walks my sanity walks.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's something <laughs> right? to that, that, like right? Yeah, and we, we yeah, don't think enough about that. And then lastly, I'll just say this: that there's new research. Of course, we know certain uh, American states have been completely obliterated by uh, addiction, um, you know, particularly from opioid addictions. And so there's been new research that takes people who are addicts and who are in recovery and actually puts them into doing hardcore creative uh, ventures. So it might be making guitars, it might be painting, but building something and learning a craft also lights up those same pleasure centers in the brain. And they're mm-hmm. finding that that's, a, that's an incredible tool in, in healing. It's a pleasure, a pleasurable healing that, uh, that, that seems to be almost essential when it comes to certain types of cases in actually paving a road to recovery.
0: Hmm. And I wonder too, just like maybe why so many of us obviously different in that there's not addiction involved, but why so many of us have been almost gravitating towards learning a new skill or learning something new and, in, in during COVID, cause maybe that kind of, um, brings some pleasure. So that makes, that makes total sense. Yeah. And I know that I'm going to shift a little bit in that talking a little bit about mindfulness versus mindlessness, because I know you, you talks about that as well. And we've been fed these messages of just being mindful, being in the moment, but I'd love for you to explain mind mindlessness a little Mm -hmm. bit more because I really gravitated towards that I was like oh gosh something I don't have to think about I could just kind of be be in the moment and yeah so I'd love to hear a little more about that yeah
1: I mean again I do think they're both really important because being in your body more um I do think that there's there's untapped pleasures when we're really really present but having said that I do think that mindlessness doesn't get enough play and people don't talk about it yeah, enough. I know. So, right yeah. it's like what I what do I mean by that I, I I mean it in the sense of um you know how many t- how many of us spend time especially during this pandemic it's been a reminder doing a deep dive on a memory um, perhaps it's of travel perhaps you're triggered by looking at photographs perhaps you're remembering a loved one that you've lost like I've actually spent time when I'm lying in bed trying to sleep doing going to my grandparents' house, like in, you know, the nineties and going in the front door and remembering the smell of their vestibule and the smell that actually, when I would lift up their record player and the smell of my grandma's, um, Uh, chicken noodle soup cooking, like if you can go back in your memories, it's like you're reliving those moments and there's deep amounts of pleasure there, right? Um, It's nostalgia. There's a kind of bittersweetness that goes along with, with those kinds of memories. And when we unlock them, I think that there's a potency. It's the reason why you can be like, Driving down the road, and you'll hear a certain song. Like for me, yes. it's like, you like, like it might be Prince, like vintage Prince, yeah. and I'll, you're just t- it's like a time capsule, right? You're transported back totally. in time, and you're making totally. out with somebody in
0: the back of yeah. the car, or whatever, whatever it is. I think and- that's why I've been listening to so much '90s <laughs> lately. I'm having like wanting to like relive the nostalgia of that. No, I love that. It's yeah, so potent,
1: and I feel like yeah. actually also like certain scents do that immediately. You get you catch a whiff of like an old cologne or something like that, and they'll transport you mm-hmm. through time. And I think again fantasy is a word that that we don't talk about enough and i mean that in both a sexual sense and a non-sexual sense so the non-sexual sense i think we do need to fantasize and think about what would i like my life to be like in 5 years from now what do i envision Um, what would I see myself in 20 years when I'm, when I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. 50 years, like who knows where you want to be. And uh, that helps us shape where we're going. And then in the bedroom, I think it's essential. Like I'll never understand people who are like, I'm always in my body and I'm with my partner in this exact moment. And that's the only way. And that's, and I only want my partner to be always thinking of exactly me. No. Right. How is that possible? Yeah. It's impossible. (laughs) And I actually don't think it's, it's, I don't think you can ask that of your partner. I don't think you can ask that of yourself. If it works for you, I mean, by all means, I'm not here to judge and I'm not here, but I do think perhaps I would suggest anyone listening who's kind of eye rolling me, maybe there's an opportunity to kind of like allow yourself the idea that, you know, you can, you can be the the creator of the story in your mind. You can go anywhere and, you know, if you're going to be in a long-term partnership and if you want it to be monogamous, that's a lot. It's to to mm-hmm. that's a lot of sameness to put on you a
0: monogamous forever relationship a lot to put on for sure absolutely yeah.
1: I think fantasy and indulging in that is something that again we were not mm-hmm. told that we were allowed to to, mm-hmm. to indulge in mm-hmm. and there are ways to do it there's so many great like also safe ways I think people feel fraught when it comes to pornography and for great reasons but there's so much mm-hmm. great audio erotica out there right now Um, So that, you know, like just if you're into storytelling or if you just even want, you know, to reflect on a a past experience, these are all allowed.
0: (laughs) We don't know about you, but our closets are busting at the seams. We don't need any more stuff. And when we think of gifting, it's the same for all of our friends and family. That's why we're gifting experiences with Tingly. With just one gift box, hundreds of adventures are unlocked. The recipient can choose from a range of experiences and destinations worldwide, including many here in Canada, and boxes can be sent in the mail or virtually. For more information, visit tingly.com. No, I'll have to check out. I haven't checked out any audio erotica. That'll be something on the list to do. But I love what you're talking about, about fantasy, because, you know, there's a lot to be said about the visualization and how that can kind of materialize later on. And also, I've just been reading a lot about not yes, visualizing, but you touched on it a little bit earlier when you talked about your grandparents, also like feeling those emotions of how you'll feel in that fantasy kind of help bring that more into your life as well, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, Yeah. no, I love that. And I think over this past year, you know, we've talked about it a little bit throughout this, but over this past year, we've all kind of struggled with finding our pleasure and finding our joy. I've been calling it like moments of joy, but now I'm gonna start calling it moments of pleasure. How do you, you know, you talk a lot in the book, In the book about like those tiny indulgences. So, any quick kind of tips on how we can sort of tap into that during COVID?
1: I mean, I think the biggest thing, obviously, you know, COVID has impacted different people differently, and I don't in any way want to diminish that some people are really having a hard time. But I uh, I think that ideally, pleasure should, should, you know, A, not cost a thing. And um, it's about in those quiet moments that allowing ourselves to see again. And so, I mean, for me, it's been all those things of like, trying to... Um, to really be present like to me food has been a huge one like it's just one of the final indulgences think, that's reliable yeah.
0: right I think food has been most people's go-to during yes yeah. right yeah yeah but I'm
1: also finding like little things like I when I was growing up I was such a hippie I didn't I wasn't into kind of like I wasn't into makeup I wasn't even I, like, I would just like clean my face with soap and whatever but now I've actually really found it very grounding to like put a fucking serum on I'm sorry I swore mm. I don't know if you're allowed to I'm no, swearing is yourself. another you can okay, swear. I, I like swearing I <laughs> Gives me deep pleasure to do it.
0: (laughs) Um, the perfectly timed swear word can give a lot of satisfaction. Really hundred percent agree. Yep, yep. (laughs)
1: Um I, I it's what I mentioned before. It's gonna it's looking at old photographs and going down memory lane. It's 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 actually you know there's a reason why everybody during the pandemic has been reorganizing because we realize that we're in spaces where you you know you have to look at the same things, so you people are paring down and reimagining like what does it mean to actually have things in my life that I really, really enjoy that bring me pleasure and getting rid of all the excess and the and the feeling of freedom that comes along with that
0: mm-hmm.
1: um. I have this little exercise I mean I I can I can go into this do you want me to do uh, yeah
0: yeah let's go into it because usually how we we kind of like to wrap things up anyway is you know we've talked about it and now how can we action it so Mm -hmm. I think the the exercise is a perfect kind of segue into that so yeah so
1: okay well so I came up with this acronym and it is ah so for first of all maybe we can all do this together anyone who's listening can do it it's like to take a deep breath in through the nose And then let it out with a deep, ah, I mean, immediately
0: when I Um, do that, that's my favorite in yoga class. That's I haven't gotten to an actual yoga class in a while, but that is my favorite part. (laughs) Just like that release, right?
1: Because you realize how shitty we are when it comes to our breath too. Like we do not breathe deeply and it immediately is calming no matter what scenario Mm -hmm. we're in. But the acronym, it, and I'm probably gonna mess up the order. So forgive me if I do, but we'll get to everything that we can. So there's three A's and an H in the spelling of ah. So the first A stands for awareness. And um, what I mean by that is is maybe you're not, some people on my book tour, when I was talking about it, actually said to me, I can't, I don't even know what brings me pleasure. I've spent my entire life looking after children or looking after my husband. And now, you know, I'm divorced or I'm an empty nester and I don't even know what brings me pleasure. And so some people listening might be like, I'm not even sure what brings me pleasure or what brings me joy. So becoming aware and some of the things that you might ask yourself are, hey, uh, what did I used to love to do when I was a kid that I've lost sight of? If I had an unscheduled day, um, what, what would be the first thing that I want to fill it with? Um, so are some things to give you a clue, becoming aware of what are the things that, you know, might fill your life with a bit more pleasure and joy. And then the second, second A is for, um, attention. So again, paying attention to how you spend your time. It's so easy for us to, you know, if you have those notifications on it, tell you like you spent six hours on your phone today. (laughs) Um, I hate those right? It's or my weekly
0: report. Yeah, I hate
1: those, but <laughs> it's just like, oh God. But that's a great way in which to realize like, okay, did I need to spend that amount of time? So paying attention right. to your schedule and those kind of fringe hours where you can sneak in because that comes up too. people say a lot of times, I don't have the time. I don't even know when I would do this. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. probably if you look deeply at your schedule, you can sneak in 15 minutes. Like I used to even, for example, I hate exercising, Like, but but I love the pleasure that I feel after I've done it. So I do this painful thing in order to get to the pleasure. And before I used to be like, if I don't have an hour, I won't even bother. But now I realize actually, if I have 15 minutes, I'll sneak it in.
0: That's, never do, you know what? Absolutely. absolutely. Like segmenting it into smaller chunks, like especially the apps now and being able to filter by like a five minute thing, like in between meetings, I'll do like 10 minute arms, exactly. right? Or something like that. And you can find the time. I know you mentioned too in your book that there was a friend you had kind of tracked the hours and found out that she had about like 20, was it 27 hours in a week or something like yes. that? That She actually did have free time. And yeah. yeah, so is setting those reminders. I do have on my phone, like, set my social media reminder, especially with TikTok, like remind yes. me in 15 minutes so I can hop oh, off here. But yeah, there is, there is the time to make it, but yeah, sorry, keep going. No, no,
1: no. Okay. So the third A is authenticity. And again, this comes down to what we've been talking about throughout, which is only you, like what brings me pleasure is not necessarily exactly the same thing that's going to bring you pleasure in your day. Yeah. And only you can answer that. So it's about listening to that inner voice and, 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 you know, journaling is a great way to get to your truths Cause we lie to ourselves a lot during the day and <laughs> it's easy to get distracted, whipped up. And so if you keep a regular journal, especially in the morning and just write a couple pages, sort of stream of consciousness, your truths will come tumbling out, um, you know, before too long. So uh, being authentic is important. And then the eight stands for help. So I think asking for help, you know, it's, it's infinitely more challenging during COVID, but I do think, you know, we have to, we, we have to ask when we need it, whether it's from our partners and also whether it's from ourselves to give ourselves a break. Um, one right. of the scripts that I hear over and over again from women is like, I cannot do anything unless X, Y, and Z is filled in. And these are usually house care house things. Mm. Like I can't have sex until there's no dirty dishes, for example. That's right. one thing. Or I can't right. allow right. myself to have a bath until I've X, Y, and Z fill in the blank. Yeah. And again, I would, I would suggest that you tell yourself a different script because the more you tell yourself something, the more it's, it's fixed and it's All mental stuff, right? That's yeah. right. So I think it's yeah. reach rephrasing those scripts. And maybe it's that I actually do want to indulge in, in self-pleasure, for example, I'm going to take 15 minutes for myself and explore myself. And it doesn't matter if there's dirty dishes there, I'll deal with them later because this matters too.
0: It really is all the talk and the giving yourself that permission. And yeah, like, and I feel like we, I don't know if this is true of, of everyone, but there's just this constant need to almost be productive, right? Like how are we best using our time? And so, Um, Maybe not so much when it comes to sex, but when it comes to those other kind of pleasures, let it be, um, you know, sitting and watching reality TV, which we kind of touched on a little earlier, like during COVID, I never watched reality TV. And I'm like, you know what, this is going to be this is actually like kind of giving me joy and getting lost in this other world and letting myself do that and giving permission for that. So, yeah, it's it's kind of all. The, it's all the mind, right? And how we frame it to ourselves, I
1: think. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think if anyone listening today, is, if this is resonating with them, I guess maybe sometimes we do need to be told. So I'm going to tell you, I'm giving you all permission. Put 15 minutes in your schedule starting tomorrow of something that you can do. Start with that and, and make sure it's indulgent. Make sure it's not a, a, like a function of running the household. Make sure it's completely for you. Just 15 minutes to start yeah. with and then see how you feel.
0: At the end of this, I'm going to go grab a chocolate. Good. That's going to be good. (laughs) I love it. Well, we are so, like, thank you so much for coming here today and talking to us about this. Obviously, a very you know, important topic, but I don't know if we realize how important of a topic maybe. I think, you know, it's, it's time to have more conversations about what's giving us pleasure, what's giving us joy and how to incorporate that into our lives. So really appreciate you being here. Where can everyone find you and where can we get your books?
1: okay so my book is called find your pleasure the art of living a more joyful life um it is available everywhere you can get it at your favorite bookstore you can get it on amazon um you can get it through my website actually so my website is www.findyourpleasure.com people can find me on instagram at cynthia loist l-o-y-s-t or at f-y pleasure so i
0: hope people will reach out and send me a note and let me know what they think Thank you for tuning into this conversation. We will have a brand new one on a brand new topic every Monday. If you were intrigued by anything in our conversation, we encourage you to talk about it. Tell a friend, post on social media, take action in your very own way. Subscribe to get the newest episode at your fingertips as soon as it drops. Until next time, check out Style Canada, a disruptor in the media for its community of inquisitive style seekers. You can find us at style.ca or on social media. Just like this podcast, Style Canada is not just about style. It's about living a lifestyle that leaves people open to evolution and opportunity. This episode was hosted by Elise Gasparino, produced and edited by Alia Ballas. The music credit goes to Raspberry Music, and was brought to you by Style Canada.